hello, welcome to another episode of Talking Through the Movie. I'm Neil. And I'm Ben. This episode, uh, we are back uh, with the commentary format, and we're talking through the 1988's The Land Before Time. Yep, great classic film. Grew up watching this. Um, I think I was taken on a school trip to see this. Um, I, actually, this was released, uh, I think... No, it was 88, and this is... Five, six, seven, eight. Four years, it was released on my birthday. Oh, excellent. So I only found it out today, so I was kind of like, oh, right, no wonder I've got a bit of a kinship with this film. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we're going to just tr- jump straight into this film. Uh, so, uh, on the buzzer, three, two, one. And uh, off we go into the world of the prehistoric. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing to, to note about this film, if, you, if you're going to um, use this as a uh, this episode as a uh, commentary track and listen to this film. There are no subtitles on the, the DVD, at least not not the edition that that I got, um, which uh, you know, which I think presumably is like the, the main available one. Yeah, um, it seems a little bit sloppy to not have subtitles on there on a on a DVD. Yeah, so um, this is obviously from the uh, is Don Don Bluth. Yes, is, is Don Bluth um, uh, exec- executive produced by George Lucas and uh, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> The only film that they sort of co-produced uh, outside of the uh, Indiana Jones franchise. Yeah. So um, again, I quite I this film uh, has a lot of memories. I think one of the things that I will definitely say at the beginning is I think this is very lovingly animated. I haven't seen an animated film like this, with um, respect to the background paintings at least, mm. because it is very unique and it's definitely a, you can definitely tell it's a Don Bluth production. Um, because they have a very um, very dark films in not not in terms of con- like content that I mean we'll get onto some things yeah. <laughs> along in this film, but the backgrounds can be like quite colourful. But mo- mostly you can tell that they've been, been coloured in, and like the backgrounds are very um, primordial. I suppose is the best word. Like, yeah. Because he did like films like uh, An American Tale, uh, which people featured Five of the Mouse and uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, a lovely cheery topic for a <laughs> kids' film. And, uh, I'm talking of cheery topics uh, in films. Before we uh, go any further, and um, before we, you know, make light of some of the stuff in this film, it's worth um, pointing out that um, Judith uh, Barcy, who um, uh, voiced Ducky in this film, um, between completing the work on this film and, and it be, being released, uh, she she was actually murdered by her father. Yeah, along with her her mother as well. Yeah. Um, very, very tragic. She didn't actually... Um, it's reported that this was her favourite film that she mm. enjoyed doing. Yeah, that, she, that she'd worked on. And she, she had done... Um, she was only 10 years old, but she'd, um, she'd, um, she'd done quite a bit of work. She'd done between, like, a, about 100 commercials. Yeah, so like TV commercials. commercials. She's in Jaws the Revenge. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless it. Um, and also, um, All Dogs Go to Heaven, which was released after this, but I guess she did the, the voice work for it yeah. um, before this was released. Yeah. And Obviously, because she couldn't have done it afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to, I just want to point that out. And also, her, um, her grave marker, um, apparently it says, um, I think you can find pictures of it on, on YouTube, it says, yep, yep, yep on it. Yeah, Duffy's I mean, catchphrase. Because I think that's the, the one thing, I think that's one enduring fact about the, the you know, um, her life, I mean, and again, such a tragic tragedy to happen at that um, age, but the fact that she was able to make such an iconic character, because even kids today who grow up who 
the kids are like dinosaurs that are introduced to this film and it's a, such a you know a, a pivotal character outside of um Littlefoot and Sarah mm. everyone knows that character that or they at least know that catchphrase at I've, least it's just there's a shot just back there with it's like a, a big like flock possibly you'd call it a murmuration of um like pterosaurs flying yeah. that's a really nice I mean these to some extent the, the like the backgrounds and the, the the adult dinosaurs in this are you know they're they're really well rendered sort of particularly for the time and yeah um to some extent the the the, ba- the cutesy baby dinosaurs um slightly detract from the um f- f- from what is achieved with the other uh, with the with the, the rest of the film yeah i think uh, what, what the, the nice thing about this is that it's just the diversity of dinosaurs in this one and um again like sort of like mixed in with other prehistoric life as well so mm-hmm. it's not just a purely dinosaur film we've just seen uh, uh, we just saw a mammal uh, they're like some sort of rodent at least uh, yeah. we're seeing like insects and such but um again you see, you've seen the backgrounds here that are very nice very well done and i think because this definitely drew inspiration from fantasia from the right of spring movement i th- um I think so, yeah. I think that to some extent that was the inspiration for. I, well, I, th- I think th- there was no, uh, an intention at one point for this to be to not have dialogue and just have the um, and, and just you know be like like, like a silent film almost. But yeah, well, that's um, it was decided to you know to take a slightly more conventional route with it. The the dinosaurs in this though, there's an interesting sort of mixture of what at the time was sort of reasonably sort of modern ter- ideas, particularly for a, um, um, like a mainstream audience to have like small dinosaurs like, like this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and f- you know, fast, reasonably fast dinosaurs and to, you know, have their tails, you know, up in the, you know, the tails lifted off the ground in a, what is, you know, largely, a, you know, which is, you know, as, as is now understood. But also, there's some stuff that's like quite, maybe a little bit more old-fashioned, like the, um, the large like long long necks, as they're called in this film, the cirrhopod dinosaurs. You know, they you know they're quite water-bound. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the dinosaurs, they stand with their feet turned in, in like yeah. they've got rickets. <laughs> um, so it's it's like an, an interesting mixture of like traditional, I guess, what most people would have considered dinosaurs to be like yeah um at this point you know obviously pre um jurassic park that very much in terms of mainstream audiences very much sort of turned around what we thought how we thought of dinosaurs yeah um and like how, how mobile they make like li- especially little foot who's a long neck baby like, just like he's able to grip onto his mother's like snout yeah like ah, yeah so th- i was gonna say there's um there's like a mixture of like this kind of old school stuff, you know, sort of going way back, and then there's like some more modern scientific ideas because I guess they must have done some research for this film. Yeah. I think they did. They visited some of like the the larger uh, like American natural history museums. So there's a mixture of those two things: modern views and old things. And there's a couple of things there where you just look at it and they're like, "What the hell?" Yeah. It's like it's later on in the film, Littlefoot has a like prehensile tail. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> what? Where, where, where did you get that get idea from? from? So it's uh, just fun to note that um, if uh, 
we haven't already, like um, Don Bluth was actually an ex-Disney employee. Oh, okay. He did actually, uh, he grew up idolizing his work and he, he actually worked for the studio in 1955 uh, and over the next two decades did odd jobs. But um, this was, he was actually a full-time animator in, in 1971. Okay. And then when he sort of looked, saw what was behind the proverbial magic curtain, as it were, he was, he didn't like what he found at Disney. He was very, um, he felt that the, Pictures were losing their luster. I think I think that's probably fair. I mean, I think this film is like towards the end of that Disney sort of fallow period, and then a few years after this, you have like The Little Mermaid, and then yeah, um, Aladdin, and or whatever order those ones come in. Yeah. So he so because he found out that Blue um, that Blue Don Blue found out that uh, Disney were uh, doing cost cutting measures. And so he resigned in 1975, and he actually took um, Gary Goldman and John Pomeroy together, uh, and they launched their own studio, which was called uh, Sullivan Bluth Studios, mm-hmm. and that's when they began working on this film in 1986. And uh, just to sort of follow on from that, because uh, we're looking at all these wonderful pictures, and you remember I spoke about the, the background paintings for this. There are actually uh, over 600 paintings were made for this Blimey. film. Um <laughs> Most of them depicted beautiful barbarian landscapes. Um, they said actually, this is, is I, I guess it's, it's part of the story that it's telling that you know things aren't you know the, the plants and stuff are dying here, and that's why they have to go so to the Great Valley. The Great Valley. Yeah. But this film, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of very barren um, sort of deserty landscapes. Yeah. In I think, this film. Yeah, because if you look, I mean, uh, just look at my notes here. It's like. What they wanted to do is, uh, um, at certain points, they wanted to make they wanted to emphasise vibrant colours mm-hmm. again to, to balance off these backgrounds which are very drab and grey um, or monotonous because it is desert. And I think it's that that's one of the purposes of the film is that, that to have that you know for the dinosaurs to have this hope of the Great Valley. That's what they believe in. Well, what Littlefoot believes yeah. in that like he's got to get there um, later on. Yeah. And um, before we get. Um to some of like the more like key moments in this film, I think yeah. going to one of the sort of uh, things to 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 really talk about in terms of this this film is it was cut a lot. Yeah, um, it's about between ten and twenty minutes of stuff was like cut out of this film before it came to the cinemas, um, and it's because um, Don Bluth had you know written it the way that he wanted to write it, and it was. Um, you know, and uh, you know, with you know the, the action and the story that he wanted to tell, and Steven Spielberg said, "Oh, you know, you have to, you know, cut cut this. This um, um, this is going to make this safe for, for children." And I, I think this might have been maybe coming off the back of um, um, Temple of Indiana Temple Jones, of Temple of Doom. Yeah. I don't know if that was cut, but. Spielberg had to um, get the um, PG-13 certificate created in America right, yeah. to get it through the censors without too much cutting. And so I think um, so. I, I think that might have some, had something to do with it, that he, um, yeah, he was like, he, did, he didn't want you know, people having to like, take crying kids out of the, the theatre because they thought they'd get complaints if that happened. Yeah, because um, they did a lot of, Actually, no, we'll, we'll, cut, we'll cut onto that scene a little bit later because yeah. it was the one scene that was considered to be cut. Yeah, I think a lot of the material that was cut is relation to the, 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 the you know the Tyrannosaurus Rex character. 
Yeah. I was going to say, um, so we've got um, Sarah, the, the Triceratops character, uh, little Triceratops. What a horrible character. Oh, she she's is. so she's mean. So mean. She's just like, she's like proud and she's like cussing. And she's like very much, it's like the only one into like the little, the child characters who sort of endorses this thing that the adults seem to subscribe to is that all the species have to stay separate and, you know, play yeah. with their own kind. It's a weird sort of, sort of self-imposed segregation that yeah. <laughs> the dinosaur, this dinosaur society seems to have. I do want to point out that it seems like, have you noticed that in a majority of these creatures, like you've got like, Ducky has her sort of like her, her group of um, family yeah. uh, or kid friends. You've got Sarah who's got her family kid friends. Littlefoot is the only Littlefoot in this. Yeah. Which, God bless him, like, you know, no wonder he wants to make friends yeah. uh, with things. But it's like, um, yeah, it's like... Um, Yeah, of course. So we've got like, um, the, uh, what, what was I going to say? I've just, uh, bear with me for a minute. That's it. Littlefoot wasn't actually going to be called Littlefoot. Mm. It was going to be known as Thunderfoot. Yeah, but I think it's already been used. I like this shot of the, um, one of the grandparent, um, the Prodicus, um, Le- Apatosaurus. So the way it's leaning up against the tree Jeez. and the trees are leaning over, it's, it's quite easy, like emphasizes the weight and it's, it's quite a natural thing. You see, like, you know, elephants doing that and, and stuff. It's yeah. like having a bit of a lean. Yeah, because actually, again, it's not, not challenging the notion of, like, how do these dinosaurs yeah, live? Yeah. As such. Yeah, it's kind of... Oh, yeah. Um, one other thing I was going to say about Sarah and what a <laughs> horrible character is. If you go on, like, Google Im- Image Search and search um, Sarah Tattoo, you'll find someone out there who's photographed it and put it on the internet, has a tattoo... I think it's like Sarah's face and it's like flanked by roses or whatever. Yeah. And underneath it says, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Google um, it. Google it. Yeah. I, I think we'll have to Google it. Um, um, she was also originally going to be male. And I think she was going to be called Bambo. Bambo, yeah. Bambo. Um, and it was George Lucas's idea to, to, to change her to a female character. So here we have <laughs> a, a classic villain entrance, so I like up there with like Darth Vader and uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and up there with the T the T Rex from Jurassic Park. You have sharp tooth. Now this, as I said, is the sequence that was a sequence that was very heavily cutted to cut to make it um, less traumatic. I think there was more business with that tree that is destroying. But if you look at this scene, at various points and various points throughout the movie, sharp tooth's injured eye is injured here. It's injured before. It gets oh, in, yeah, it's yeah. closed before it gets injured. It's about to get injured in this sequence yeah, here. And then if you look throughout the film, his, his injured eye sort of uh, comes and goes. Um, uh, it's, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, when you think about it, it really is a terrifying introduction to it this is. creature. Like, this, this creature doesn't give a... Like, it's, and it's unusual in terms of... Like, Sharp Tooth is the most unusual ca- character out of this entire film, apart from the few smaller creatures. Yeah. Because he's only one of the largest creatures in this film that doesn't actually have any dialogue. No. Doesn't actually say, I'm going to kill you or anything like that. It's just like, this is a force of nature. I, you know, run or beat him. His eye is not injured. Oh, there it goes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you'll see now throughout the course of the film that injured eye comes and goes. Yeah. I do want to point out, one of my favourite things about this this film is the... um, the physics of sometimes the physics in the film are absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like I love the fact that the T-Rex can leap like a hundred foot in the air. Yeah. And sort of land. And then see, this is a, I mean, the fight here could have potentially happened 
display. I don't know about the terms of like how fast the Apatosaurus could have moved, but it's definitely like I mean like look, it's just yeah. that just jumped on its back. Like, yeah, no. I don't. I don't think so. I I, I I don't know whether it could have. Uh, yeah, and her injuries seem to sort of like come from from nowhere a little bit because you don't see them being inflicted. Yeah. In fact, I think. Do you think that was a, a point of her, like, um, being cut? I think so. Yeah. Because also, I think some of, in some of this, this film you see like fights between dinosaurs that take place like in silhouette, and I think originally they weren't going to. You were actually going to see the the actual uh, business, as yeah. it were. It's I don't I mean, I suppose I can see where they're coming from on the point of view. Like you you don't want if it's a kids' film, you don't want to make it too like. Especially if you look at the backgrounds of this film, you don't want to make it too, like hyper violent because yeah. obviously you don't want to terrify the poor children. But then I'm kind of think, I'm of the opinion like it is animated and it's like, you know, you are depicting prehistoric life. I mean, there's no, nothing short stop of a, a child watching a documentary on a lion killing a zebra no. kind of thing. But I suppose you wouldn't watch a it actually doing like ripping the insides out. As no, such. no. This I, is I love this bit like. <laughs> There's a, there's a couple of like um, Don Bluth um, trademarks which we've seen in yeah. this sequence. One is um, like the characters are sort of the action taking place sort of like underground or in like these confined spaces. Yeah. Um, American Tale also has a lot of uh, you know plenty of examples of that. The other is like a villain that is basically just like a big mouth that is chasing the. I think that also happens in American Tale. Yeah. Like one of the cats is just. Like a big cat mouth yeah. that kind of chases them. And I just want to point out that so the scene here, this is very reminiscent of the Rite of Spring pa passage in Fantasia mm. because there's a literally a whole sequence toward the end of that segment where it's the earth is being reshaped. Yeah. Uh, I mean, minus the dinosaurs in that sequence have been depicted as dead at this point. Mm. Um, also, I want to point out, again, the um, sharp tooth in this is basically the Terminator <laughs> because he fell off a mountain into an abyss. Yeah, he was kind of swallowed up by the yeah. earth, wasn't he? Um, and this is one of the most traumatic scenes in like yeah. children's films. And this scene, I was just going to say, um, I was just going to say something, and this scene is as good a point as any to say it, that um, the inspiration for this film was Bambi. It was basically Bambi mm. with dinosaurs, and that's <laughs> basically what you get, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. It's because it's... Cause it's um, I, can't I really can't remember Bambi that much, but this one always sticks out because it's such a... Like we know, I mean, the reason well, one of the reasons why we're doing this episode is because of conversation. Because uh, a friend of ours put something up on Facebook, mm -hmm. we were commenting on it. We're like, oh, like because a lot of people remember this scene being, yeah. and it's so heartfelt because you kind of not expect it. You, I mean, I don't know. Mind of a child is different from the mind of an adult yeah. uh, for many reasons, but it's like I don't think many children were ready for this kind of scene um, to happen. It does go on for quite a bit if you think about like the. In terms of what happened, like his mother is slowly dying in front of him, and mm -hmm. you're like, because they did, they got child psychologists in, didn't they? I my understanding is they they did to, to analyze the scene. Um, also, there's another uh, another animated moment as an trope that when someone dies, obviously they, they turn into a painting, is what I call it, because uh -huh. they literally. You can tell that there's no more movement. There. Yeah, it's, it's not a cell anymore because it, it's not required to move. Yeah, so it's like, there it is. And then you've got like, the mm -hmm. most uh, wonderful music played by, uh, conducted by J J James Horner, um, who in recent years tragically died as well. Mm. 
but not at the time of the film. But yeah, like, um, yeah, because in Bambi, his mum dies off screen, and this one, his mum dies on screen, and we're like, um, says the notes here, like, slow demise goes on for several agonising minutes, and actually, there was natu- there was some concern that how children react to this, and um, and uh, they, they, they said this is why this scene exists. Yeah, I have no idea what animal this thing is meant to be. It's either a Scolidosaurus or an Ankylosaurus, some type. Okay, but it's um, uh, the character Ruta, which yeah. is also our narrator. Yes, yeah, so the, this character is um, voiced by. Pat Hingle, um, as well as uh, Pat Hingle doing the narration uh, during the film. Uh, now, I'm not sure. I think in our in our earlier um, episodes, I referred to uh, a cinematic trope, which I may have in fact invented myself, which was the <laughs> curmudgeonly tortoise with the heart of gold. I've got oh, yeah, a feeling yeah. Ruta here in my mind was a tortoise, and he is the original curmudgeonly tortoise. I I, I would think so because he is like yeah, it's close enough. I can't, I can't Bear in mind, I was like. I say I was at school when I first saw this film. That's fair enough. I, I, but it's, I kind of really, like, at some point, really wish that... I was that like nine, eight or nine, I think, when I first saw this. I kind of think, well, I want Ruta to go on the journey with them, but obviously that kind of defeats the purpose of the film. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like he'd kind of slow them down a little bit. Yeah, like, go on, it's okay. It doesn't... Because listening to this film, like, obviously we're not listening to it, like, the audio now, but, I've, you know, when watching this for this episode, it doesn't sound like Pat Ingle. It's It seems like much more bassy... Mm. because um, Pat Hingle also featured in another film which we've previously done which was the Batman 1989 mm-hmm. uh, playing Commissioner Gordon exactly and, that, and it's a bit different I do like these little uh, this little sequence here is, it's kind of fun but it feels like a little bit like um, like it was like really old school uh, old school cartoons like Merry Melodies kind of thing yeah but I kind of think we needed something a little bit light hearted for a bit just, yeah you know because um well, we're just seeing a tragic, very tragic yeah. moment as such. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and all hanging on there. Um, so <laughs> look, look how uh, the triumphant, the little uh, <laughs> the blue one. There you go. <laughs> oh man, that's that's not the curmudgeonly. No. Oh, and if they just went to grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, Paul. This is quite sweet. Wasn't doesn't one of them give him the? Yeah, it tries to be friendly with him, doesn't it? As he's going through his hair. Uh... Oh. I see a cherry. Yeah, <laughs> they're very red. <laughs> they are very red. Also, a big question: Where the heck did they get it from? How's <laughs> uh, that? But obviously, we know that some of the uh, colours in this are again. We know that some of the bright colours are more exaggerated. Like the red cherry there is definitely more vibrant mm. than any other thing there. I wonder if that's the same can be said about the di- some of the dinosaurs, like with the, all the pteranodons that we just saw were very vibrantly coloured yeah. um, as such. And that as we go through. Um, um, I'm just going to talk a l- very quickly a little bit more about um, the, the cut material. Um, yeah. Is, um, what was I going to say? Um, if you want to find out more about that, and there's quite a lot of stuff online about it. A lot of people, uh, sort of online communities and stuff, are quite fixated on the material that was cut out of this film. Mm. Um, if you want to, if you want to find out a bit more, there's a video on YouTube called um, 
it's part of a series. It's called What They Don't Want Us to See, The Land Before Time. And uh, the user is called the, the Maniac Next Door. But there was quite an interesting video about, about the cuts and sort of trying to ascertain uh, where you can see bits of the cut material because there's like stuff in, in trailers and stuff. Um, oh, right. Apparently, Don Booth claimed that he had like a, a complete uncut version of this film. Um, but I don't know whether, you know, whether that's true. And it's, it's, it's not come to light. Um, you know, it's not been reissued with the cut material restored. Uh, there's also rumours that sort of uncut versions were sent to various countries, but I, I think that's just... No, I would just smoke smoke mirrors. Yeah, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, I like the idea of, like, number four time, uncut. Yeah. And uh, so, so just in the adult, like, with a certificate 15 rating or something like that. But, um, yeah, it would have been really interesting to see the um, uncut footage now. Yeah. Um... I mean, how much of it is of it? I mean, I'm assuming not all of it is available online or anything like that. But is there I, I don't think any, uh, maybe tiny bits are available online. But it's, um, I don't know. I don't. I, mean, I don't know. I, 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 literally, I literally don't know. Um, there's things like you know, there's like still publicity stills and um, like trailers and stuff that. Mm you know, were made before the final cut was was put together and some of it has leaked out there. Mm. Um, but uh, I think, I think, I think, I mean, Universal could, you know, I think if they wanted to make, you know, a few a few bucks off this film, they, you know, do a digital restoration of it and uh, restore the, um, the cut footage and, you know, I think people would buy it. Yeah, definitely long-term fans. This this film has a massive cult following. Mm. Um, if I've had out to tell you, I mean, heck, heck, me and you will, like, you know, I've re- I really like this film. Um, just again, this for more nostalgic reasons than anything else. But um, kids still grow up. It spawned like how many sequels? It's like 13, 14. Thirteen, fourteen. Thirteen, fourteen. It's got some I TV series. A TV series. I think it's all um, direct to um, direct to video. Yeah. Um, um, I, uh, I got this and I got l- like there's one where there's an inexplicable winter in the Lost Valley uh, <laughs> and I got I got that um, well I got that my, my son got that for Christmas and uh, I watched both of them, them with him uh, he sat through this one he uh, he's only you know only two years old but he um, he, he enjoy, seemed to enjoy this one he shouted dinosaur a lot so that's got to be an endorsement of sorts and then the, the other one uh he uh, just wasn't bothered and i i i thought it was dreadful as well <laughs> i think cause the, the, a lot of the subsequent ones are like musicals but with like uh, two or three songs crowbarred into them I thought, yeah they, they did uh, a lot of um just looking at the theme song for this uh film because uh which is at the end which is um has accompanying uh Vocals by Diana Ross. Um, I've just been looking at sort of trying to find some images online uh, from this. I, I can't. I don't know if it's from another film or not. I seem to have found like a, a crocodile chasing a sea turtle or something like that. But it, it looks, I don't know that. It looks like it might be from a from one of the subsequent ones. Here yeah. now, here's um, Ducky. Yeah, Ducky. She's a. You know, if anybody needed a universal pep person or someone to keep you know <laughs> make you feel happy ducky is the one to go yeah with. um i know she's meant to be uh, a hadrosaur but i'm just not sure which one she's meant to be i think she's meant to 
the um, Aparasaurolophus. Oh, yeah, fair enough. The, sh- the, the crest is like a little bit diminutive. Yeah. Little bit. <laughs> Just like a little bump on the back of the head. Yeah. But it's because uh, uh, she, she ends up uh, sort of being an adopted brother, doesn't she? <laughs> and uh, was it Spike? Oh, yeah, sorry. I thought you said she. She was a brother. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what a brother is. (laughs) (laughs) Something slightly wrong there. Yeah. But again, it's like, these little scenes here are quite like really lovely lit and um, just like little water motions just around the. Yeah. um, The thing about like the water motions and also the the, the beginning of this film where it has the credits, but they're they're underwater and they're kind of. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, that, you you might not think that that's anything particularly special now, but it's. um, was all done practically, you know. That's all done by, I think, done by hand. Yeah, yeah. It. There's no, it's not know, none it's of CGI. No stuff like that, which is again um, really good. <laughs> Just one of my notes, uh, looking at the when this because this this uh, in 1997, uh, the late theatrical producer Irving Welzer told New York Times, "The time has come for dinosaurs on Broadway." And there was uh, there was an original idea of putting uh, *The Land Before Time* as a musical <laughs> on stage. Um, was that before the film? Or no, this is after, after. the film. This is after okay. the film. This that is makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. So yeah, th- this is like, uh, ironically, of all the films, because that was successful, that they wanted to come after was *Jurassic Park: The Lost World*. Mm. And they're like, oh yeah, we'll put it on Broadway. Like, it took you that to come around here. It was never realised. No. Probably for the best of everybody, potentially. Um, I I guess it's meant to be the lighting, um, but it seems like the dinosaurs change colour throughout the film. I guess it's meant to be the the, the landscapes, landscape and lighting. But what about Petrie here? Particularly seems to change colour. He does a lot, doesn't he? Doesn't he go like from like this to blue to red or pink or to something? Black like and purple, I think, at yeah. the end of it. It's I think. I was looking at the people who did the voices for this, and I looked at the um, actor who did the voice for Petrie, and what he looks like as opposed to what Petrie sounds like, it's really jarring. <laughs> they don't, do not look like they, they, they're the right voice. Because he looks, the, the only picture I've seen is this guy who looks like he's a country western singer mm. um, doing the voice. <laughs> I love that. She's climbing down sharp tooth. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you know, who is uh, invincible. He is the Terminator. Mm-hmm. And such. Um, actually, I do like... He it. also... His head is just like a, a, like a box with, with, with teeth. teeth. Yeah, I, really. I think this may have been... Maybe it was before, like, they found, like, complete T-Rex skulls because obviously with, with, uh, yeah. di- with the dinosaur fossils, you... You find you know complete skeletons or even like near to complete skeletons that are very rare, but his box, his head is just like a big like rectangular box with teeth. Yeah, I have to say this bit actually when she like charges him in a second and the eye opens up, is kind of, is kind of a cool moment. Yeah, it's again it's the the movie trope moment of like it's painting she's punching it you know, back, and then here comes the kicker. There's a lovely tracking motion. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's gone back to being to being a uh, painting with her, with yeah. her on a cell on a sort of reflection. But that I'm sure that there's a moment in the Roland Emmerich Godzilla where they're in the tunnel and there's like Godzilla's 
eye yeah. at the end. Yeah. I'm sure that that is inspired by that moment from Land oh, Before Time. Yeah, because they're, they're shining a flashlight at the wall yeah. or something, and just, the eye opens and it sort of moves on. Where's the, the, the Morphodon? No, Demetrodon. Demetrodon. The, the, in terms of the um, like geological eras that the animals in this film are from, it's just all over the place. Oh, yeah. It ranges from, like, <laughs> not even just, like, the three periods of the, the di- age of dinosaurs, the, 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 the Mesozoic era. Yeah, it's... But it's it, even, like, before that as well, and possibly even after it. It's... Because that's a really... That is a really... Um, it's a thing... Because a lot of films do this, don't they? they? Whenever the film's been made about dinosaurs, they kind of, like, slam lots of different ones from different um, timelines. Like, Jurassic Park... Yeah, I mean... The reason Jurassic Park has the name just because it sounds cool. It's not actually, yeah. it's not actually claiming it like this. Yes, everything is from the Jurassic. No. no, and also it's also set in you know modern era. It's set where dinosaurs should be extinct. You know, yeah, and you know they're they're brought back. You know, from you know what, uh, whatever mosquitoes period. from that were trapped in amber in whatever periods those dinosaurs lived. But um, yeah. But so, because you, you couldn't just call it Dino Park, no, or Dinosaur Park, because then it'd just be that's just really cheesy. Yeah, um, I'd like I'd like to know how many different like names Michael Crichton went through before he settled on Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it must have been you know a fair few. Yeah. Um, so what's going on here now? They're, they're, around. they're, they're trying to get help Petrie to fly, but um, they, it looks like are they? I don't know. Well, they were to find Sarah. Well, Sarah who was, claimed that she didn't need help because she's. Yeah, but now she's like so her. Massive bitch. Yeah, she looks really fat there as well. And she does. At, at various times, the dinosaurs do just look like fat kids. <laughs> they do, yeah. But it's like um, Petrie and, and Co. Like, yeah, again, because she's just, just me. It's a mean, mean character. I, I also, I'm going to confess, I didn't realize until like until fairly recently that Sarah is called Sarah because she's a triceratops. Although, uh, pointedly, well, pointedly. She's well. I'm assuming her parents are Triceratops. You see her, her dad, her dad, uh, uh, yeah. earlier on. But you don't see her mum. But she looks more like her Protoceratops. That's true because uh, she only has one horn. Exactly, and she doesn't look like she has any protuberances that no. are going to evolve into um, horns. And that I also like the um, that this with Petrie clinging to L- Littlefoot's neck. I just love the animation of the folds of the um, skin on it. It just makes me laugh a lot. And she's such. A, why? Why? Did, see, the thing is, is that why do they keep inviting her along with them? Like, oh, come join. Yeah, because she she does. You know, she does like. She's just really mean to like, them all. Yeah, she does like head off on her own at various times. Um, she, and I just like just let her. <laughs> yeah. So, I just I just um, I was looking at how. F- successful this film was and um it had land before time actually had some really stiff competition about like disney's oliver and company was really big and it was released on the same day as the land before oh, time okay. and so um you know at that time anything disney make was pretty much like you know to go to animation and um universal releases like i said earlier november 18th 1988 yeah but apparently uh, for a solid month, Bluth gave uh, Oliver a box office beating, apparently, in my notes. Uh, Land Before Time enjoyed the highest grossing opening weekend that any animated film had ever seen. It pulled in 7.5 million to Oliver and Company's 4 million. Mm. Um, 
Since then, uh, of course, the Land Before Time has been dethroned. Uh, and at the time of writing, this, the Shrek the Third holds the coveted distinction with 121. Okay, I think what you're reading must be quite old because I would have thought surely Frozen would yeah, that, yeah, be in that. As such. But it's, um, I mean, why Shrek the Third got up there in the third place? I'll never know. It's, uh, we Is there nothing else on that week? There's, no. I think there's some business possibly involving a cut here because just seen Spike hatch. Or maybe it's just bad continuity, but he's just hatched out of an egg, which has now disappeared. Yeah. And he is bigger than the egg was as well. Yeah. It's, I don't understand why they decided to, to go with it, not have him not talk. Yeah. Also, I don't understand why he's, as, he's just hatched, but he, he's already as big as Littlefoot and Sarah, who are But I've noticed this, the thing I noticed throughout this film is Spike grows continuously larger. He's like a remorseless eating machine. <laughs> Just anything is food to him. Um, but how he survives this film, I'll never know because all he literally does is eat and sleep mm. and occasionally stumble away from terror. Yeah. As such. I'm just noticing now what you're saying. Like, I'm just seeing, all I'm noticing is all the dinosaurs walking around with inverted um, legs. Yeah. Um, like they have rickets. Um, also, uh, just some fun stuff is uh, sharp tooth. Like all the, uh, like I said earlier, like all the animal, uh, all the dinosaurs are voiced by um, actors and such, with the exception of just like frogs and spiders and such. But also sharp tooth. But sharp tooth does have a credit to it uh, as um, it shares the same voice actor as Spike, um, which is Peter Cullen. And uh, for any. Um, uh, TV show fans, Peter, not, not Peter Cullen, sorry, Frank Welker. Frank Welker mm. um, did the voice of Sharptooth and Spike. And Frank Welker is the voice of Megatron in the animated TV show The Transformers. Mm. Um, there's also a voice credit in this for Littlefoot's um, grandpa, who doesn't actually speak during the film. Possibly he spoke in scenes which were then cut. I think it's, he does it like... He does well, he he goes like, hmm. Well, <laughs> well, not like that, but he does, he does like a humming motion or something like that. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I also love the fact that Spike grins all the way through this film, even in the immediate peril. Like, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was based on, like, Don Blue's dog or something. <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> Look at that. He's got a big grin behind him. He's like watching him arguing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yawning and then let's go down I love Petrie like holds up a, his star plant um, star leaf as a sort of like a magic carpet or like <laughs> a throat war as such <laughs> I thought this film would still be you know be, I'd be able to follow exactly what was going on and what was being said even without subtitles but because it was it's you know it's uh, the the you know the lip syncing is just like the mouths are just sort of going wow 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 wow. You, it is actually being a bit harder to follow than I thought it was going to be. This sequence was and going to be uh, there was going to be a scene. I don't think it was actually even um, filmed, but there was going to be a scene here which was cut out where there was going to be two different kinds of dinosaurs. Mm. Um, I, I know one was going to be drinking the water and the other ones were going to be eating, and they wouldn't let the other lot. Yeah, it was going to be another weird, like segregation moments in this film. So, just as well that it was, it was cut. Yeah. 
Well, just, just reading some further information about that, the, the Diana Ross song, apparently it was a massive, huge hit in Japan, mm. and it's now a karaoke staple. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> uh, see, Spike, Spike's there when you need him, if you've, yeah. got, if you've got food. Yeah. <laughs> it's also funny to think that all, all those uh, diplodocuses would eat all that food very fast. Yeah. The way they charged in there as well. Like oh, yeah, it's pretty. Like, the, the, like, the these wa- animals were weighing tens of tons. They sort of, like, leap over the uh, yeah. the rocks and go and Yeah. Is this the... Oh, this is where they're establishing that Petrie can't fly. Yeah. It? Also establishing that Petrie changes many colours. Yeah. A pterosaur that can't fly. <laughs> yeah. Um... I think there's some some cuts here involving um, uh, um, uh, Sarah not not helping them and not wanting to be helped. But here, I'm sure she's charging a tree that we've established doesn't have any leaves on it. So I'm yeah, not sure what she's planning to get down. Well, she's just been stubborn, as yeah. we know, and she's just like you know a jerk. <laughs> and the f- little foot's just like feeding that. Ego. He is. Yeah. I wonder if her problem was with her later on in the film. Um, I've written a really bizarre bit of trivia about this. It says 29 species of animal was featured in this film. Five of them were already extinct by the time the movie was set. My, uh, when is this movie set? Well, the, it's before time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, many of these... Yeah, I think, I think whoever wrote that is under the impression that this was set in a very... Um, specific time period, which it, which it's not. It's a sort of generic um, age of dinosaurs, yeah, and other things that walk with their feet. I've also, in. I've also just realised um, what dinosaur Spike really is. What, it's Stegosaurus. Yeah, is he not? It's a Stegosaurus. Okay, so I, I didn't know that. You I did not. I thought that was reasonably obvious. No, no. I, it is one of like the like key like iconic. Dinosaur species. No, no, it's because he doesn't I, have any spikes on his tail. That's probably so, what it is. Yeah. They should have given him nodules on his tail. Yeah. Something. But uh, you know, there's that uh, crafty-looking fallen tree. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Ah, so there's um. The, the f- there's the first storm uh, right at the beginning of the film with baby Sarah. Apparently, the the, the thunderclap, the you know the, the storm that happens, mm. that that's actually thunder that actually comes from the ha- Disney's haunted mansion ride. Oh, okay. So I'm like, how the hell they got the rights to use <laughs> that to do that is uh, beyond me. It's a noisiest gang of sleepers. <laughs> I look, the ducky looks just so offended uh, by this. Yeah. So much. No, 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 no. <laughs> so why would she think going underneath Spike would be a good idea? I'll never know. No. I, lo- I love that she she's started off like already like alert, but now she's just oh, I'm just sleepy. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> oh yes, and you were right. The character of Spike was inspired by Don Blue's pet Chow Chow called Cubby. Called what? Cubby. Cubby. I was going to say Chubby, but it's not. I thought that's what you'd said. Yeah. (laughs) 
Is I, it the way like they're cold. Um, <laughs> they come as if they just like pile on top of little foot. Yeah. Like the most uncomfortable. Well, what is going on with Sarah's neck in that shot? I know, right? She looks like some kind of <laughs> horned giraffe. <laughs> I also love the fact, I, I love the just, um, it's just a little, little lovely, very small animated bit, but you know, when they're all jumping in there with um, Littlefoot, I love it more when Spike, you, you don't see him yet, but when he lands in there, he, and it's just like Littlefoot wakes up, it's like, ugh! Yeah. Like, um, I, I quite like that reveal, although it, it feels like it seems like kind of obvious when you look at the film again and you see all the uh, T Rex footprints in the background. Yeah. But I quite like that reveal that they are sli- sleeping in one of his footprints. But in theory, that shouldn't matter because that's where he's been. Yeah. It's a little bit odd. Like, in a second, uh, Sharptooth turns up. He steps directly into his own footstep, like he's just been walking around the earth in a straight line. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as we know, that uh, Sharptooth does defy the laws of physics and... Yeah. Um, common sense. Common sense. He spends an awful lot of time chasing what is essentially going to be a mouthful of food. Yeah. Like, yeah this is not going to be like, particularly pleasant for you in yeah. the end. Yeah. Plus, isn't there like a dead Apatosaurus back there? Someone That should keep, keep him... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the reason being macabre, um, Littlefoot's mum would have you know, kept him in food for you know, several weeks, I would have thought. Yeah. I, I love the fact that... Um, the way that they just laugh. what's with the leaping? I know. It's just like, <laughs> and the diving as well. Yeah, he the sharp tooth in this does spend an awful lot of time just like sliding along the ground, just going nom 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 nom. Yeah, I go, come back here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, yeah. It's just like he's just sliding around, and there you go. There's the. Uh, the, so yeah, this is the, the rock shaped like a long neck, which was one of the things they were told he was told to look for. Yeah. I don't know why it, f- it fades out here. Is it, I'm guessing there was material cut there, but it's just it fades to bl- to yeah. black as soon as they find that rock. Yeah, it seems a very me. a bizarre um, transition uh, there. Yeah, and I, lo- I love the um, also this footage here looks a lot grainier than yeah stuff. So maybe there was something like that was. It seems that something was cut out here, or they they've replaced it with some hasty animation. Yeah. Um, um, one thing I do know, I have read on, online, is the ending of the film is slight going to be slightly different because you know in a second uh, they split up. Littlefoot wants to go the way that he knows is the way to the Great Valley. Great Valley. All the others like that way is you know too too rocky. You're be malfunctioning within a day, you nearsighted scrap pile. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they all go a different way. And I think what was originally going to happen, Littlefoot was going to go and find the Great Valley by himself and then like, go, oh, I'm going to, you know, then leave and go back to uh, to find the others. Wow, um, that, that was, that's quite, that sounds really dire. <laughs> like, yeah. It's basically like all his friends basically go off to die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does go back for them, but... Um, but is that yeah, is it, it seems like a bit of a, I don't know, when, when we come to it, uh, um, we'll, uh, we can, you know, talk about it a bit more. Yeah. Um, this is another instance coming up of where there's like two characters fighting or two animals fighting and to reduce the impact of it, it's sort of turned into a silhouette. Yeah. So it's just sort of, yeah, uh, here, there you go. Although it's still <laughs> fairly... I love uh, Spike's reaction in this uh, scene, by the way. Like, what's he going to do to hide? I'm just stick my head in the ground. It's yeah. okay. 
<laughs> and I'm going to slide down, surely. I've also just realised that Spike does actually have nodules on his tail. Oh, yeah. So They're quite little, though. Yeah. Well, it's just not... It's, well, maybe I'm not paying... I wasn't paying too attention. It just didn't look like a stegosaurus. But, didn't but he, yeah, he, he doesn't that much. Yeah. <laughs> is he referred to as a spike tail? Possibly Yeah, he is. a spike tail, yeah. Spike. Because naturally, stegosaurus is hanging out with a hadrosaur, but then again, there's all kinds of craziness going on in this Yeah. <laughs> I love a... Uh, Ducky's tr- trying to broker the peace. Like, it's like, we, we, we can be friends. Yeah, like, it's, okay, it's all guys. good. It's, it's all good. good. Like, yeah, no. Ducky, Ducky be like, why can't we be friends? Why can't <laughs> we, we be friends? Petrie's brown now. He's brown now. You could actually play, you know, if you're ever really inclined to, you could play a drinking game with this film. Like, <laughs> just how many times the animals change colour in this film? Go. Yeah. <laughs> Have a different drink for each colour. Yeah. <laughs> A drink each time one of the characters is that colour. You could actually even, you could potentially buy a like, drink that is actually the same colour as the dinosaurs. Have yeah. <laughs> something what was it, like a blue Zambuka or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I would I definitely wouldn't go for any like the black flavoured Zambuka no. because like, you'd just be drunk all the time. Yeah. yeah not not absent each time one of the characters is green. That would be yeah. particularly <laughs> lethal. <laughs> yeah. So here the the uh, dinosaurs have arrived on Mustafar. <laughs> yeah, Darth Vader's uh, around the corner there. <laughs> <laughs> is it, uh, I mean, uh, these are, you know, they are, like, really, you know, sort of great, um, sort of detailed and sort of, but also, like, wonderfully stylized um, backgrounds. Mm. Um, this, this, this sequence that's coming up here, I always found it to be a bit, again, like, it's, um, I, 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 unless this was properly cut, it may have been cut, is that um, it's, it's quite dark because, like, she basically leaves him to die. And, I mean, we know in reality that if Petrie fell in there, that's it. Like, he would have been toast um, as such because that would have killed him. But that liquid, the, um, the tar there, mm. that's actually... Um, that's something that pops up in Don Bluth Productions quite a bit, actually. You, they like doing the dark liquids, um, mm. like demonic liquids if you want um, because I think Don Bluth was responsible the production company was responsible for the film Fern Gully yeah I think that's I think that's um, it's him got, as well yeah and there's a scene that like the main antagonist which is like this sort of oil or industry kind of creature mm. is they literally animated like this toxic um, like the tar here and it's like you, you, you always know if you were watching a Don Bluth production. there's Littlefoot's um, prehensile table. <laughs> like what the hell yeah and it's um, Ducky had one as well yeah how, how did the oh, Petrie's purple now yeah <laughs> uh, uh, yeah there you go there's that prehensile table tail not table <laughs> I don't know what a prehensile table is it's, um, it's a very adept table <laughs> everyone should have one in their life <laughs> Wow, they made these guys really like aggressive. Yeah, so these are um, Pachycephalosaurus, aren't they? Yeah, but they're, they're not carnivores. They weren't carnivores. No, but I'm loving what they've done with the paws. Uh, not p- the, the claws. Sorry, like, they're very like sharp. Mm. I, from what I know of the um, record, is they didn't really have any like sort of sharp claws because they weren't. They were herbivores, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> I do like. Well, this it's possible bit. they they were omnivores, but they they you know they weren't. Part, they aren't part of the sort of carnivorous chain um, family of dinosaurs. 
I, I love uh, it's uh, his prehensile t- tail again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love you can even see the eyebrows in it as well. <laughs> I love that Spike's found some food as well. <laughs> Just as it goes through. Petrie has <laughs> Petrie has the most like hilarious um, laugh in this. I'm just gonna find out the actor. I'm just gonna find the actor who plays Petrie because it's just like, it's really bugging me because it's he doesn't look like he should be in this film or voicing that. Oh, there is he, where is he, where is he, where is he? Yeah, Will Ryan, who plays uh, the voice of Petrie. I'm just gonna get a picture of him up at the moment. Yes, so you hear, you've heard Petrie's voice before. Does that look like the voice of Petrie? No, no. We'll put this up on the um, social media, but this guy literally like. Yeah, he has a career in music. He was like, he did like a. Oh, apparently he recorded wacky songs for Disneyland Records. Uh, okay. It says here. And, uh, yeah. What else has he done? What have you. Oh, he's been in like, Looney Tunes, apparently. And The Little Mermaid, who's a seahorse. No, okay. <laughs> hey, look. Littlefoot's blue again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, purple. <laughs> Petrie's whatever colour he wants to be at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get that it's it's meant to be like the different lighting um, conditions in the different um, locations they're in, but it's it's just a little bit too extreme. I, to, just to me, it just looks like they're changing colour. Yeah. Also, I think... Um, I don't know why it is, but for a lot of this film, Littlefoot had red eyes. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they do periodically change colour. <laughs> As do many of them. Yeah, but not necessarily in sync with the, the, the rest of him. <laughs> well, if, I, I just want to just go back to that se- uh, sequence just a moment ago where Sharptooth is on the rocky outcrop. I'm like, how the hell did you get up there? <laughs> like, I mean, even though we've established that he can leap now and yeah. in a single bound, um, how would he grip onto anything? It's not... A <laughs> That's sharp tooth, man. Also, I don't want to point out. Doesn't he like? Uh, doesn't sharp tooth like come turn up behind her, or something? Because he disappears. I think it is. He disappears. Well, you know how T Rexes can periodically make <laughs> no noise whatsoever when they move, like in oh, the uh, <laughs> finale of Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah, those rascals. Yeah, <laughs> there yeah, goes. there he is. Yeah. So how does he end up going? Hey, he still cave? fluffs. Look, he's still. Oh, he's still sliding. sliding. He's still <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, obviously, yeah, uh, she can breathe underwater, no problems. <laughs> oh, he's brown now. He is brown now. <laughs> is he got the damaged eye? He has. He has the damaged eye, but yeah. he should have the damage, damaged eye. But yeah. I've got a feeling in during this sequence, it, it possibly it, it changes. <laughs> no, he's just opened it. Opened it. Is oh, so is it okay now? Is it is this a bloodshot? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's oh, closed again. again. <laughs> I love how excited Peachy gets at this moment because he's learned how to fly. Like it, all it took was a giant, terrifying, <laughs> man, carnivorous creature to potentially kill him to fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might have come in handy earlier in the film. <laughs> I love that. He's doing his best King Kong movement. <laughs> I can actually see why Pit Hingle... So, yeah, because he opens up his eye here again, doesn't he? Yeah. Look, see the that eyes? sort of him shaking and trying to get something off your face, you noticed 
that's a reused animation Mission. from when he his eye got injured earlier on. With the uh, well, with the fawn, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Sarah, Sarah just saved the day. Had a drop so that she could come back and save the day. Yeah. Get all the glory. <laughs> they should have killed off Petrie at this point. Yeah. It, only logic dictates it should have happened. Yeah. <laughs> Again, actually, uh, I like the lighting of the water pool there. Yeah. Um, I know it's a very simplistic thing there, but hey. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor ducky. <laughs> it's not going well for them. Again, I, 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 uh, this bit coming up here is quite nice now. Uh, she, I love what she... Um, yeah, I like what she does with um, Petrie, who's going to turn up in a minute here. It's, just, it's the sort of thing a little sister would do to her, like a big... Uh, uh, a sister would do to her little brother, like just sort of grab him and run off of him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he's changed colour yet again, people. <laughs> he's, now, he's wet now. He's wet, yeah. yeah. So now, you notice we're, we're about to find the Lost Valley. Um, not Lost Valley, Great Valley. Um, we've this scene with... Little foot and the, the cloud version, and his mum's force ghost. <laughs> yeah. um, but none of the others. I mean, I guess it, it's it's his moment, and kind of he is the, the main character. But it's like there's this short sequence here where all the, the other characters seem to disappear. Yeah. And it's because originally he was going to find the Great Valley by himself. So oh, we have yeah. this moment with, with his mum, and then go back and find them. Yeah. Would you? Would that have made the film longer? I think a it, little bit. Yeah. yeah. But. I mean, this film's like an hour and nine minutes, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, I'm not, not going to look at the yeah. scene. I'm not going to look at this scene ever the same again after you've said that. It's his mum's force ghost. <laughs> <laughs> now she now she looks like the the water tube from the abyss. <laughs> She's like amalgamating all the other previous uh, sort of movie tropes. And it's a I love this very subtle reveal. <laughs> I have chosen you to behold. <laughs> Actually, it's actually quite a nice um, lighting effect, um, lighting transition here. Yeah. Um, again, because there's that, they've gone through such light, well, hell, I suppose. And uh, again, it's just that nice reveal of a, a very lush, you know, green valley. And that. They've still got rocks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like, no, this is quite like, oh, what was it? Um, I love his uh, his facial expression. Like, wow! And his yeah. mouth goes like a bit too over the top. Here's the rest of the gang. Here's the rest of the gang. They made See, it. See, and he's but he's entering the valley with them, to, even though he was in it himself Already. a moment ago. Does so this? yeah, I just say it's because of the, the, the changes that were made to the end of the film. So it seems like this great valley is sort of a hidden in time. It, could this be where King Kong came from? <laughs> Just yeah, <laughs> the, the, the area outside the um, the Great Valley will eventually turn into Skull Island. <laughs> will be submerged, uh, yeah, under the, uh, you know under the, go drop under sea level, uh, and the Great Valley will be left in come sky. Or maybe it's the plateau from the Lost World. Well, ah, yeah, just true. So there you go, folks. We, we, we've debunked it for you. So <laughs> this, this film. And look, look. And he's red there. He's red there, and that's the thing. It's like. He has his brothers and sisters, but clearly, if he's red, it's kind of indicating that he's a woman. <laughs> it's, I guess. Yeah, look, because look, all the other the Tyrannosaurus that have horns, but she doesn't. Hmm. Two of us are. Let's get and his uh, grandpa's blue and his grandma's sort of odd 
Is it purple? Purple? Move. Move. <laughs> I a, feel like this flashback to the end, the start of the film, it was only an hour ago, it's a little bit superfluous. Yeah. Like, uh, you think, uh, we've just seen that about 10 minutes ago, guys. Mm. So, <laughs> this, yeah, it's pretty much the end of the film now. Yeah. Um, I have to say, watching this again, watching this as adult, I just felt this film has been made for like a really you know, little kids in a way that films aren't nowadays no. I didn't feel like I think if I was watching this the first time um, as an adult and I didn't have the nostalgic curiosity I would watch it and I'd be like this is really quite babyish because it, it's not a complicated story and still it has a narrator sort of telling you what's happening yeah um, but I still I think that yeah, I, I definitely sort of agree with that motion there. But I think that what this film does and sort of films of its generation, especially like the, the 80s generation, is it doesn't pull... Or well, they had to, really. Yeah. But it's a film that, in a sense, doesn't pull its punches. Like, it's there are terrifying moments in this. There is, There's but it's kind of like... If, especially considering what we know about, you know, the, the way it was sort of um, cut um, before release. I feel like if try and have it both ways it's trying to do something you know quite meaningful and yeah. quite raw but at the same time it's kind of sugarcoating it a little bit yeah or maybe not sugarcoating but it, it feels like it's it it only had like the child audience in mind yeah because films nowadays you know even if they're you know normally kids films you have they have a certain amount of, if you look at like pixar films yeah they have a fair amount of like cross-generation appeal yeah you know they'll have in jokes you know there'll be some some witty banter yeah and there's no witty banter in this film um really um so i I think but is that is did you you i mean i'm just necessarily a bad thing i just i was surprised how much um i know how to to what extent it felt like that i think that's interesting because obviously this because the um maybe the interesting thing there is because obviously we know this film was cut but because it w- if the film had b- the way the film had been made, if it had been made um, with the characters, were not so much. I mean, because the obviously the, the animation we spoke about is we just, the animation is, is really good. Like mm. I, no, I, uh, one, that's one of my favorite things about this is the animation style. And but I'm wondering if that if they knew what they were doing straight off the bat, if they knew it wasn't going to be like hardcore mm. as it were. Would the dialogue have changed? Because we know that this was originally conceived as a dialogue-free movie. Mm. That was, it was just going to be sort of like a sort of natural history film, as mm. it were. But if, uh, if they had to go eliminated the dialogue completely and just did the um, uh, uh, no, eliminated the just kept it what they wanted to keep, would we have seen different dialogue? Would have yeah. been really interesting. Well, having just watched it without you know the sound and without any cue to what the dialogue is. Mm. It is. It's fairly easy to, you know, broadly speaking, you can follow it. It's just you don't know what they're arguing about a lot of the time. Yeah. I um, mean, well, but internally, just it's like, oh, it's a couple of dinosaurs. They meet each other. They have a fight here and there. They're trying to escape from the bit, the physics-defying <laughs> sharp tooth. Um, well, I suppose we wouldn't keep. We would, if we hadn't seen this, we just put this on. There's no audio. We just call it the big Tyrannosaurus uh, Rex. Yeah. That slides everywhere. Yeah, I have to say, um, in a. Um, I think I maybe seen this film like three times before today. I think I saw it. I saw it the 
the cinema when I was younger. I think I saw it, like maybe I was in my teens, and then in my more sort of cynical um, sort of age, uh, more cynical age, I do think it's such a shame that Sharp, Sharp Tooth had to die. I know, right? <laughs> he was the best character. He was. <laughs> so exactly, you, you knew what he was about, yeah. he knew what to do. Um, he was just so hungry. <laughs> He's just so hungry. Just, what, is there no space in the Great Valley for Sharp Tooth? No. <laughs> it's, just a, it's very exclusive, this Great Valley. Yeah. You've got to know people to get there. Yeah. <laughs> it's poor Rai. He just wanted, he just, he was just, he wanted an eye doctor. These guys, <laughs> he thought they could help. They just kept, you know, beating him down every time. He was just trying to talk, but, you know, teeth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's two times the size. God damn it. <laughs> no, but, I mean, overall, I mean, again, it's, it's one of our... My favourite films, um, I think. It de- definitely holds a different sentimental value for me, um, this film. Uh, I just noticed in the credits, in the anim- uh, some kind of animation uh, people, um, <laughs> there, was two, there was two people credited who had the surname O'Brien. I wonder if they're any relation to a Willis, Willis O'Brien, the stop-motion animation uh, oh. pioneer. We could always, we could always uh, find that out and uh, let you know on release of this episode. Which will be when you're listening to this, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think that about wraps it up. Um, yeah. As I said, I think it's it. I think I've covered this earlier, but I feel like a, di- a decent digital. This film is worth is due a, a decent uh, digital remastering uh, yeah. and the reinsertion, reinserting, reinserting of any of the cutscene material that that can be reinserted. Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely love to see that. That, that features just to give get my own sort of opinion on that so uh, we'll hope and pray for that yeah. so, well thank you for joining us on another uh, venture into a land before time um, not always the 29 species where five were extinct before this but <laughs> you know you try to explain that yeah. but yeah but thank um, you very much again I was just oh, going to say yeah. the, originally the title of this film was going to be The Land Before Time Began and it's odd how that one extra word just makes it seem so much more clunky. Yeah, like time began. Yeah, that's really annoying. Like time, land before time. Yeah, that's good. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so okay. Yeah, but this is. Uh, well, if, uh, just um, again, if you have any thoughts on this film uh, after you listen to it, or you'd like to share any your experiences, or if you if you know any of the animation sequences that were cut and you would like to share it with us, I mean, we'd be very grateful for that. Uh, we've got our social media. We've got our Facebook page, which is just talking at the uh, talking through the movie, or our Twitter handle, which is. At TT Movie Podcast. Excellent. So again, thank you very much. Uh, watch out for much. Sharp Tooth. Yeah. And uh, um, so I was just going to say, I just thought of a, a, a witty alternative title for this film. Go for it. Bambi Raptor. <laughs> this has been talking through the, the movie. movie. I've been Neil. I've been Ben. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.